Preeti. And we are just on our way across Canada and the U.S., living full-time on the road with our baby and our dog. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about our travels in Arizona, as well as how we prepared for this lifestyle. We also wanted to wish everyone a happy holidays, and we hope you had a great time with your friends and family. We were fortunate enough to be in a city where our family is, and so we had a really great time celebrating with everyone. So we left off last time in New Mexico and in White Sands, New Mexico. So from there, we headed over into Arizona. And our first stop in Arizona was in Tucson. I can't believe I've been spelling Tucson wrong this entire time. <laughs> I really thought it was T-U-S-C-O-N. It sounds that way. So when I write it, I have to just think of myself, Tucson. <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from our time in Arizona. And so you were spelling it wrong the whole time we were there? No, I mean, I think I, once I saw it being written down. All over the city. Yeah. You were like, they're spelling it wrong. I know, they're spelling it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we chose to stay at the KOA in Tucson, partly because it's really hard to find an RV park that accepts people younger than 55. And I think like our lifestyle, we could totally get along with the over 55 crowd, but Love them. Caden just, yeah, just won't let us stay at those parks. Yeah, Arizona is the first state we got into where it's like, that's the snowbird destination. That's the place with all of the, like, what I call like the super parks, the RV parks that have like three pools and, you know, 12 different activities every day from bocce ball to choirs to, you know, everything for folks to enjoy. That park, though, was awesome. They sent us a text message every morning with all the activities for the day and not just one or two activities. There were like easily four or five ornament making, you know, go feed the ducks at the pond. Um, they had live music at their little outdoor patio area. Ice cream sundaes and stuff. Oh, yeah. They had ice cream socials. They had mm. wine. Um, and... They also had citrus trees, which was our first time staying in an RV park that just had these like fruit trees everywhere. And we... We didn't know what, what kind of fruit it was. You know, I, I took a photo and I asked Google Lens and it said it was a lemon or an orange. Anyway, you know, they didn't say you can't pick the fruit off the trees. So I don't know. I just like... I would hold Caden up to the tree and he'd touch the fruit, but like if anyone was around, we wouldn't, you know, we didn't pick anything, but. Not until the end. Not until our last day. <laughs> so we took one. It turns out it was neither of those things. It was a grapefruit. Yeah, it's definitely a grapefruit. I know. I don't like grapefruits. I love grapefruits. But I mean, I guess this tree is technically on your property while you're staying there. So do you have the right to the fruit on the tree? Anyway, we just like, as we were like, you know, hightailing it out of there, we just nabbed a grapefruit and took. So we learned some other interesting things about Tucson. Um, there's, uh, Tucson is a region with lots of airspace, airspace, airfield activity, air force, <laughs> air force, air force activity, military activity. Um, anyway, lots of fighter jets flying overhead constantly, um, like every day kind of fighter jets, I guess, like just training and stuff that's going on hopefully um also the stuff uh that were called bone bone yards bone but basically yards. what was explained to me was that um 
so I guess there's this area just outside of the city of Tucson where like a lot of planes go to die, like including just regular passenger planes and, and then of course military planes as well. And I guess it's called, they get mothballed. I guess this is like the term used for planes being decommissioned. But if the United States has the largest air force in the world, apparently the second largest air force could literally be made up of all the planes that are just sitting decommissioned in fields around Tucson. It's a huge number of planes. And if you go on to like oh, satellite you, view. Yeah. If you are looking for an activity to do with your friends, that's what you do. Take your Google Maps, go into satellite view and see who can find these planes the fastest. But mm -hmm. you can't like you can't cheat and search. I don't actually know what you would search for, but once you find them, it is impressive. It's a lot of planes. It's, it's so many planes. They look like little toy airplanes just lined up in rows and rows and rows. Oh, and the reason why they're all there, too, is that the air is so dry, so they don't tend to rust. Mm -hmm. um, and the ground is really hard, so they don't tend to sink into the ground either. So I think if they wanted to sort of recommission these planes, they actually could do that with many of these planes because they remain in fairly good condition in that climate. And I think because they have such a strong military presence in that area, they also have a whole museum um, for the military and the airplanes there. And Kate and I did go visit. And so we got to see, you know, they had all the military jets, um, they had helicopters. They had like stealth planes too, right? Like stealth fighters. They had everything. Yeah. They also had like old presidential planes. And like the old Air Force Ones. Yeah. But really, we ended up just finding a room that was like a STEM kind of playroom. So we actually just spent most of our time in that room instead, just playing with toys. But it was fun to walk around outside and see all of those planes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's actually a lot to do in Tucson with a toddler. Uh, we went to one of the library programs and true to Caden's behavior as we went to this library program, he wandered all around the room. A lot of the kids took off their shoes just to be more comfortable. And so he would like pick up people's shoes and try to put them on his feet. Um, he tried to leave the building several times. So yeah, library programs are becoming a real joy to see how he interacts. We also went to the Children's Museum. This was probably the best children's museum we've been to across the country so far. They had tons of room. They had like a giant fire truck that he could actually go and get into and sit. They had different cars. Like literally he's like sitting behind the wheel of a car, which is adorable. Um, which is also tricky because I've been teaching him like not to touch wheels and not to touch cars, but then you're in a museum where you're supposed to interact with them. So that was a little, that was a little confusing for him. They had these cool things where you like put these scarves into these vacuums and it shoots them up into like a huge path, like a maze, and then out into the ceiling, and then it falls from the ceiling slowly onto the floor. A scarf? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like, and you could put, like, little, like, fluffy yarn balls in as well, and, like, he would watch it, like, zoom through the maze, which was these clear tubes, and then it would shoot out. That's really cool. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun there. Um, and on our last night, we had a chance to have dinner with a friend that we'd met on the road. And actually somebody that was right next to us while we were staying in Moab. Uh, she'd been living on the road for over five years at that time and was spending part of the winter um, work camping 
working at a, at a campground um, near Tucson. And so we kept in touch with her and we met up for, for dinner, which was really nice. That's kind of the, the first sort of multi-destination friendship that we've, uh, we've had so far on the road. So that week went by really quickly. There were tons of activities to do. The park kept us really busy, but it was time to head on to, I don't even know what to call this area. Like Phoenix is giant. So you've got Phoenix and you've got Mesa, you've got Glendale, you've got Scottsdale. And we weren't even staying in any of those, but yeah, we were staying like, I guess, just east of Mesa, northeast. Yeah. Northeast of Mesa and Scottsdale. On our drive out to Mesa, Dan points over at the sidewalk and he's like, look, (laughs) there were these two people and they were holding a snake. I'm not like a small, tiny snake. It was. Yeah, like a size of snake that you could easily spot from the road because like half the snake's body is hanging down out of their hand, kind of half coiled, swinging in the breeze. And they're casually walking down the sidewalk, just like hanging out with this big snake. And so I wasn't sure what to expect once we got into, um, into Mesa, but the RV park was actually really nice. I think it was a great pick for us. It was about 15 minutes away from a cute little town. The park itself wasn't that crowded. The sites were very spacious. There was a really nice basketball court that was fenced in so Caden could run around. And it It was was really family friendly. It was on a reservation run by First Nations community, I think, as well. The campground's name is Eagle View RV Resort. They do have some interesting uh, wildlife there. I was taking Rory out for a short walk in the evening, maybe around... 9 30 10 p.m and i walk start walking down the road from our trailer and i see like these little creatures in the distance not one but like 15 of them they look like a pack of tiny warthogs kind of and uh and then rory started to growl at them which i thought was fine she's probably just gonna scare them away but then as they were walking away from us, one decided to turn around and walk towards us, and then the second and the third. And before I knew it, all 15 had turned around. And instead of walking away from the growling dog, were walking toward the two of us. And not with a kind of, you know, not seeming like they were going to slow down. So I actually ran back to the trailer. I was like, like, Preeti, we're, yeah, we're being chased by these tiny warthogs. You just like open the door, dumped her inside, and you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I had to pick her up because she kept growling. I mean, a bunch of these things against little Rory. I mean, she's not, I mean, she's little in stature. She's big, though. She's in spirit. big in spirit. Um, still would not work out. Dan, I know you were like, there's a bunch of like warthogs or pigs. And I was like, I had to go outside and see for myself. Yeah. And yeah, Havelinas. The, the J is silent. <laughs> yes. If you're going to Google this, it's spelled J-A-V-A-L-I-A-L-I-N-A-S. And we never heard of a javelina before. Nope, they don't have them back home. And so, and then there you go. I just had a, just met more than one. The closest town that we went to a lot was called Fountain Hills. And they have this giant lake with this. Why are they called Fountain Hills? 
<laughs> the most giant fountain ever. And every hour, the fountain goes off in the middle of the lake, and you can see it from everywhere. <laughs> like, it is a statement of a fountain. It's like the city council is like, we want to have a town that has like a geyser, like Old Faithful. Like, yeah, but there's no geysers here. Oh, yeah? Well, we're going to make one that shoots water in the air every hour anyway. For 20 minutes. Gosh darn it, for 20 minutes. The thing is so intense. Like, it's one thing to see it when you are on the walking path around this kind of pond in the city. But it's another thing. I remember seeing it from the highway <laughs> once. I look off in the distance. I just see this like jet of water on the horizon. And I was like, oh, there we go. There's, you know, Fountain Hill Faithful. But I mean, we went there a lot. They had a really nice playground. That's where we went to the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, just the area in general, I think traveling in December we were able to go to lots of Christmas-themed things. We ended our time in Arizona with a hike. And usually Dan does the research for our hikes. He spends a lot of time on various apps figuring out, you know, which routes we can do, which ones dogs are allowed on, how challenging they are, and all those kind of details. And so he picked a hike, which he says he read the reviews, I read the reviews after the hike, and I'm just saying, if I had read those reviews before the hike, I don't think we would have done it. I mean, did I read the reviews? I mean, you said you said the re you said you read them. I looked at some of the pictures. So we go on this hike, <laughs> and you know, the beginning was it was really it was really pretty. You kind of walk amongst these rocks, and there's a river on one side, and they're like they're fun rocks. They're like those big kind of bouldery rocks that you climb up and you have to mind like Caden Dan's wearing a backpack and Caden's in the backpack and I have Rory for most of our hikes that's just like our new setup and then we get to this one area and there's like a stream that you have to cross and it was okay like there was maybe three different ways we could have gone across and there were other people on the other side and there were people coming back and so we managed to make it across and we got to the waterfall and it was pretty yeah, it's a beautiful hike overall. I mean, there wasn't like a lot of people that were across. I think there was like this one challenging point to get across the river. And we, yeah, the couple that was coming back, we asked them about it and they said, oh, this is the hardest point. After right. this, you just, it's fine. You just follow the river. And so yeah, we, we thought did if that. We can, if, we thought if we can get through this part, then the rest should be yeah. totally possible. And so we got to the waterfall and it was, it was beautiful. No one was there, which. Yeah, it was amazing. We had it all to ourselves. To ourselves. Yeah, we stayed there for maybe. 30 minutes. Lots of big rocks for Caden to pick up and explore. Had a snack, just hung out. Beautiful scenery. So then we started walking back and we got to that same crossing. But the crossing looked different. Yeah. There were no longer three ways to cross back anymore. There were There were basically none. And we were like, what is so different about this? Because the rocks that we used to step on to cross the river. <laughs> They're not there. <laughs> they, yeah, they weren't there anymore. So what had happened? I mean... I mean, obviously we know what happened. It was, you know, there was cold weather. Clearly the snow had melted. What we what we forgot right. to mention it was is warming during the, the day. waterfall that we went to, like, there was ice. Like, yeah. there were icicles. And so... So that was melting all afternoon. For the 30 minutes that we spent at the waterfall. So we got back and the area was actually much busier. There were lots of people on the other side of the bank just sitting, 
enjoying the view because clearly they knew they couldn't, you know, they didn't want to take the chance to cross. But there were people on our side that were going across. They were taking like off their shoes and socks so yeah. that their feet could be a little bit more grippy. And there was like a family that managed to like scamper across yeah. in front of us. So we looked and looked and looked and so tried they didn't one have way. a baby in a backpack. No, they didn't have a dog. didn't have a dog. Yes. <laughs> we probably looked really stupid. Um, we've spent 10 minutes just thinking about which way we can go. And I think the time we spent wandering up and down, looking and analyzing, probably made everybody on the other side more and more nervous and curious, trying to see how we're going to figure this out. Yeah, because we have this adorable baby that we have to get across the river. Oh, yeah. So finally, Dan tries one way, and it's not working. This is not, not a working. problem I'm used to either, because my legs are pretty long. Usually, I can just like, just like one big step and cross the river. So like, this was... Like, just go and leave me here. There was like a moment can... where this became more than I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the water's fast. It's not deep. Like we could walk, we could get soaked and walk across if we had to. The water's moving fast. But the water's moving fast. But it's sorry. not super deep. Yeah. yeah. So there was this gentleman and he was just kind of, he was just hopping back and forth across and he could see that we were struggling. And so he was so kind. He came over and, you know, the place that Dan's trying to cross. Very carefully. And it's hard when you have Caden on your back, the counterbalance. He jumps across and then he like gives Dan his hand and helps Dan get across. And I think Dan's foot might have gotten a little wet in the crossing. Yeah, like one dry leg. Yeah. So now Dan's across the river and I'm on the other side with Rory. So Dan puts, like, Caden's in a backpack and he's contained. So he puts Caden down, but we're like, what do we do with the dog? Do we throw her across the river? Thankfully, Caden's super chill. Like, he's just sitting in his backpack. Oh, we wonder if he's going to see his mother again. His, yeah, watching, like, his, like, yeah, his mother come across the river or try, hopefully. So then, yeah, so we had to, like, pick up Rory and, like, kind of throw her to yeah. Dan, who was on the next rock. She got across. And then, thankfully, that lovely gentleman held onto her leash so that Dan could help me get across. And, yeah, I've never been happier to and get on the other side. he just disappeared. He did. He just disappeared. Like, we lifted our heads up to thank him and he was gone. It was like we were sent, like, this little, like, angel to just come guide us across yeah. the river safely. So, yeah, we, we finally made it back to our car. We had a nice meal waiting for us there. But that was way more excitement than we had bargained for. And I think, I don't think Dan ever says this after a hike, but he was also like, that was too much. Yeah, that was more than what we bargained for. So a good lesson there is preparation is key, mm-hmm. whether it's for a hike or for an entire lifestyle change. Oh, nice segue. Thank you. So we spent about a year preparing for this lifestyle. I think like we had Caden, waited a couple of weeks and we we're like, what's next? I mean, you have a lot of time to uh, to think while you're, you know, just rubbing his chest, singing wheels on the bus softly for hours and hours every night, trying to get him back to sleep. It's true. It gave us a lot of time to figure out how we could make this lifestyle happen. And we've shared in some of the previous episodes the evolution of, you know, going from van to trailer and stuff. So we're not going to get into that in this episode, but we wanted to talk about some of the more details and the steps that we took um, and the research that we did to prepare. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people assume that, you know, you see people living on the road in these blogs or on YouTube, and it certainly looks like they just one day like up and sold their house and hopped in a van and that was that. And we, the thing was, we didn't have any friends that are living full time on the road. So it's not like we were doing this and there was like three or four people we could just call up or members of our family or extended family that like we could learn from. We really were starting from scratch, like just using the internet. And so yeah. one of the earliest things we did was we had to just talk to some families because we kind of felt like we wanted to do this, but we wondered, are we the only people like crazy enough to do this? Are we the only people like thinking this way? And of course we aren't. We saw people on Instagram. We saw families on, on YouTube. Um, and we ended up just reaching out to those families and connecting with them live on Zoom calls and just talking with them about what this lifestyle is like. Yeah, I remember we'd go into Dan's basement office and we'd have Caden in our arms and we're joining these calls. We talked with Dan and Marlene from Molly Mish and joined their Patreon and so we were able to have video chats with them that they would host with their supporters. And, you know, they're traveling with not one kid. But three. Yeah. And they've been doing this for over a decade. So they're well seasoned. Everything from an Airstream to a van to a trailer back to a van. And they're living with a family of five in a van and have been for years. But in chatting with them and learning more about their story, they start out in an Airstream. And it helps us kind of learn, you know, talking with them, like, we asked them, you know, think back to the beginning. What was it like those first weeks, those first months? And Yeah. And I think we flip-flopped a lot. We were trying to figure out how can we try this? Can we rent a trailer? Literally prior to this lifestyle, we did one RV trip with Dan's brother through the Yukon, which is probably like a gateway trip because it was awesome. Yeah. And we loved it. But we were trying to figure out, can we go on um, RV Easy or Outdoorsy and rent a trailer? and live in it for a week or two. And we were just trying to find ways, like, can we dip our toe in the water without committing? And it just felt like the more and more we talked about it and the more people we talked to, it was like, the answer was just no. Like, there wasn't a really financial way, like a financially easy way to do it without spending a lot of money that you then could put towards this lifestyle. I think it's typically smart advice to be like, try it before exactly. you buy it. Exactly. Like, we, we tried to try it. It's, it is smart advice. But yeah, I think you're right. We were, we were pretty, we were pretty mentally committed, but also we felt like there's no way we could rent something and have the level of experience we felt like we could have in our own fully built out customized rig that was like for our family yeah and it's hard to rent like it's hard to rent a truck and a trailer like there aren't people don't yeah. rent those they rent motorhomes but then we had the car seat and we have a newborn and we could not figure out it's like the first thing that you run into when you look to rent a trailer is do you have a seven pin connector and do you have a towing capacity and if you don't have that what are you going to do? Rent a truck and rent a trailer? But even if you rent a truck, I don't know if you're allowed to tow. Probably not. So, yeah. So, yeah. Talking to other families is great. And like, use Patreon as an opportunity. Because if you comment on YouTube or Instagram, you can always reach out to people. Often people are really happy to share their experience more one-on-one. -on -one. But supporting someone on Patreon can only cost you like maybe five bucks a month, ten bucks a month. And you do get that kind of like more behind the scenes experience, usually opportunities to be on live calls with um, with those folks and uh, have your personal kind of questions answered. We also watched a ton of YouTube videos 
We watched a ton of videos about trailers, about gear, and that helped us a lot in terms of understanding how different systems in the trailers work, what gear we needed to buy. You know, we learned that we need to buy surge protectors, pressure regulators for the hose, sewage accessories. I think like we watched so many videos about our trailer. Like there are hour long videos that walk you through all the systems. And we probably even knew how our trailer worked before we even saw it in person. Mm -hmm. So that was really helpful. You learned like all that gear. You made me think of like X-Chocks, for example. Like what the heck were X-Chocks? Like you don't even know about this until you come across these videos and everybody's talking about their five or 10 favorite pieces of gear. Oh, we watched so many of those, like my top five must haves. And, And so we, yeah, we felt like we had absorbed a fair bit of knowledge and we're buying a lot of the right things to get us started. Yeah. And even like I read the entire Lance user manual end to end and Which we, probably nobody does. Probably Lance is if Lance is looking at this, they're like they're like, George, someone read it from start to back. I did. I took notes and then we turned those notes into to do tasks that in our in our app that we use and it comes up. Like so if we have to maintain, you know, if you have to clean out the hot water heater every quarter. It comes up in our app and all the steps on how to do it are in there. I took pictures of like the different parts so that we knew how to take things apart and put them together. So Yeah, you transcoded basically this the whole maintenance schedule. I know. And I thought us. like partly like you took the truck as your responsibility. So I took the trailer as like, okay, like if something breaks in the trailer, I'll take first on it if the truck breaks. Like You are very impressive at fixing things in the trailer. And and I think that we took it pretty seriously because Again, and what we learned from folks is you have to care for this thing. It is your home. Yes. And so a maintenance schedule is not, it's not something to be taken lightly when it's a matter of this is where your family is living every day. Yeah. And I think with that too, it's like because we're living in it full time, we are wearing and tearing down the trailer much faster than it would if it was just a recreational vehicle for us. So the other thing we take very seriously is insurance. Yeah. And that's a whole other ball game for this lifestyle. It really relates to like what province or state you're in, of course, and like what the rules are. But you have to consider, of course, like car insurance, trailer insurance, travel insurance, health insurance. And then there's like content insurance, which sometimes you can't even get content insurance unless you have house insurance. So you're stuck in like this weird loop of insurance madness, just trying to figure how to insure stuff to other stuff, but you don't have a house. So there was a lot of phone calls with different insurance companies or travel insurance and explaining how far we're going to be traveling. Yeah, I think a lot of people like they don't travel for six months in a row in the US and things like that. So we had to work through all of those intricacies. Car insurance wasn't just like insurance for the truck, but it was trying to explain to the insurance agent what the heck was built onto the back of the truck. With the alu cab built onto the truck, you know, I want you have to sort of share if there's any modifications made to the vehicle and the tailgate was removed. And, you know, we still had reverse cameras, but we have a propane tank mounted onto the exterior back of our truck. And I remember it took me like five calls to the insurance company to finally get somebody who knew what the heck I was talking about. 
and could insure that vehicle correctly. Tim would call them and be like, do you camp? No? Okay, bye. Call the number again, get a different person. Yeah, until I, yeah, exactly. I'm I found somebody he didn't actually who, do that. who did, who, who had been camping. He Googled it. He's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, okay, let me talk to so-and-so. I know like how to get this done. I know, oh, but that's so like an odd tip. It's like the first person doesn't understand. Just like hang up and try again. Yeah, you get a different. You get a different agent. person, and so luckily we got all of our insurances sorted out. That was a big. That was a big relief. Um, there was also like all of our credit cards, and because we're traveling in the U.S., we wanted good credit cards that would work in the U.S. So we spent a lot of time figuring out like, you know, what's the best USD credit card? What's the best Canadian card that has no foreign exchange fee? And which which Canadian bank had the best U.S. bank relationship think, for ATM withdrawals? Like, which one's giving out a free iPad? Like, I just think at one point we'd signed up for way too many things. We never got the iPad. Don't make your choices based on those free yeah, things we learned. Yeah. It's never worth it. Uh, and then we also signed up for a CPR course. And that one was pretty important to us. We... You know, we're taking off with a one-year-old and, you know, he runs, he, he goes every, he's done everything and everywhere, running around, playing in dirt, playing in rocks, falling off a playground. And sometimes when we're camping, we're not always, you know, in a major town or have access to hospitals really close by. And so it was important that we felt comfortable, um, you know, dealing with emergencies as they arise. And this wasn't just CPR, this was CPR and first aid. Yeah. And there was like, it was like an eight or nine hour online portion of several courses that we went through in material. Yeah, burns, and bites. a full day program, which, and, it, and I'm glad we chose a pretty serious program because people in our class were like nurses, first responders, mm-hmm. like people that were literally in training for doing crisis response. Yeah, we got into a good routine. We put Caden to bed and then every night we would like spend an hour watching the course and taking notes. So I'm really happy that we did that and like spent the time planning for it. Yeah, I think it really helped build our confidence for this lifestyle. And I think people are getting the idea of how serious we were. <laughs> we're so serious. All the way through this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess speaking of, again, being serious about doing this right, um, one of the things we found so crazy was that you can buy a trailer you can hitch that trailer up to your vehicle and you can go barreling down the highway at, you know, 120 kilometers an hour, or I don't know, 80, 90 miles an hour with no training. Nobody teaches you how to actually hook this thing up to your truck. There's no certification. There's no training. They just are like, here you go. Good luck. Yeah. It's scary. Not small either. Like these could be like 30, 40 foot trailers that people just, I don't know watch a YouTube video, hook up and just start hightailing it down the highway. Even hooking it up is like, you know, I mean, assuming you have weight, dis- weight distribution bars and weight control, like there's a lot of steps in getting all those pins in the right spot. And you do get into a routine. Like you definitely learn that. Like I'm now into a great routine with it. Yeah. The person who sold it to us and just showed me for the first time, he was saying like he was doing it while he was on Zoom calls, you know, at one point. Well, I don't recommend that. Still, <laughs> I don't recommend but... that. But um, when you're learning stuff for the first time, it's a lot of things to keep track of. And if you miss a step, you're, you know, you're talking about potential catastrophe. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan did a lot of research and found a group out near Hamilton 
and they train truck drivers and people like us that want to learn how to tow. And so he signed up for those lessons and we drove out there together and met our instructor, Peter. And he's been a, yeah, he's been a transport truck driver. Oh yeah. For decades. And he's been training transport truck drivers for a long time now. Yeah. So we show up there and he's like, you know, we have our truck and he's like, well, where's your trailer? And we're like, oh no, no, no. Like we're going to go do it together. (laughs) And he was like, okay. He's like, well, it's, it's your time. Yeah, I'm like, Peter, no, we've never towed anything in our lives. We're doing this together for the first time today. And I remember saying that to him in the shop Yeah. and his boss, what did his boss say to him? He was like, good luck or something. And I just felt like we were in like some sort of a Seinfeld episode in that moment of like these first time folks coming in. I know. Peter is going to be taken for this crazy ride today. Yeah. So we, he, we drove him to our storage facility where the trailer was and it was great. He actually showed us how to hitch up, told us all the safety things. He tossed the acronym GOAL, which is get mm. out and look. Um, and so I remember like finally hitched up and he's like, okay, go ahead. And Dan's like, puts his foot on the gas and the trailer's moving. And we were like, whoa, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was a great instructor. He took everything also really seriously. Yeah. I think half the things he reminded me of are just good driving practices, not even towing practices. And so now we're way more comfortable with a lot of this stuff. And I do ask myself, like, was that all necessary? Like, was that driving lesson necessary? And like, (laughs) it was. There's no way. I think it's hard because I have to put myself back in that place, right? Yeah, I know. If we go back to that place where we were, we were like, yeah, it, we, it was totally unknown to us. We were scared of towing that trailer. I remember all the times we went to the storage facility and back. I wrote down the lanes that we needed to be in because we're driving Huey W. Like these are huge highways. And so we like didn't want to be in the wrong lane because changing lanes at the trailer and judging how much room yeah. we have was really hard at the beginning. I mean, especially when we just were getting used to driving a heavy duty truck, <laughs> which is already twice as long as our Subaru. And we don't even like changing lanes in that. And so now... Yeah, now you're checking, what, 40, 50, 60 feet, you know, in length. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. It it had a huge impact on our learning curve and our confidence that we could do this. Yeah, because after that lesson, we drove the trailer straight to my parents' house and we got a permit to park it on the street for five days. And our plan was to be able to work on the trailer while it was right outside before we moved it to a campground. And so if you remember from our previous episode, we had all these projects planned. We had to build out Cape Corner and Starlink. And so we were so excited that it was right outside our door, essentially. And then on the second day, Dan got COVID. And that quickly put a stop to all of our preparation plans. And so the trailer mostly just sat there um, unworked on. I think I went out a couple of times in the evenings when I could to try and get a couple of things done. I think we ended up extending our stay because you weren't, you were sick for so long. You couldn't drive. Yeah. You couldn't drive it after the fifth day that we had the permit for. So we got another permit. We pushed our reservation, but finally we managed to tow the trailer to Rockwood Conservation Area, which is such a beautiful park. So it's near Guelph. And it's one of those conservation areas where each campsite is beautiful. There's trees and there's grass and there's a beautiful kind of like, gorge and river 
and trails and it had full hookups, which now that we've been, you know, camping for four months or traveling in this way, I've never seen in the US, at least the place that we've been to, none of them look like that. Like nothing with full hookups was that serene and mm. felt full of nature. It was really fun because like your parents came down a couple of days. My family was there. My aunts were visiting and everyone just kept coming. And so it kind of just felt like a whole family affair to help us prepare this trailer. And it was also our first time actually using all the systems because we, when we bought the trailer, we never checked the water and the full electric hookups. So. It's like, like buying a house without the inspection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a bit of a moment of truth for us. But I mean, everything was, I think everything worked as we expected it to. So we got through as much of our setup as we could in the time that we had. And then we took our trailer for servicing. And I remember we had like, we had a lot of items that we wanted them to look at. But we also didn't want them to forget anything. So I remember I wrote them all down and we printed it out. And like, we're going through it with the service manager. <laughs> I'm like, do you want our paper? Please say yes and take our paper. <laughs> because we'd secretly made a second copy as well. So if they took that copy, we had a backup copy. I know, but we like, everything was on such a strict timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's so tricky because like, oh, I feel like when you get worked on on a vehicle or a trailer of any kind, you just really hope that like they hear you, they understand all the issues. And so when you show up with it all written down, you want to be like, I trust you, but I also wrote it all down for you. <laughs> I want to add an insider tip for those in Southern Ontario is these conservation areas can have really great trailer campsites. And that was um, some great advice we got from the person who sold us this dance trailer as well. So we did all of this prep work. Um, we got our trailer for servicing, which was a pretty big milestone for us. We had another campground reservation that we made post-servicing so we could, you know, check to make sure that everything that we needed fixed was done. And then we also hadn't finished doing some of our renovations and prep. So everything was timing out really, really well. Um, but we realized this episode's getting a little long. So I think we'll pick up on our shakedown, like our real shakedown trip on the next episode. What is what is a shakedown trip? Oh, yeah. In case we got to make sure everyone knows what a shakedown trip is. So you tune in next time. <laughs> A shakedown trip is where you go out to a campsite and you live in your trailer or whatever rig you have and you test out everything and you basically see if everything works and if it doesn't work, what fixes you need to do. And let's just say that ours was a real shaker of a shakedown. It was enough of a shakedown trip that we weren't sure what message the, the universe was trying to send us. So... <laughs> So yeah, tune in next time. We'll go through our shakedown trip and everything that's broken since we've left home. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.